Episode 13 of the Fuzz Club. We're talking about an older album that's kind of been rediscovered. Um, and we'll get into what that means. It means a lot of things that I don't fully understand. But we're talking about Wicked Ladies album called The Axeman Cometh. So before we get rolling, we'll do some quick introductions. Some of you haven't been here in a while and we'll, uh, we'll get back into it. Brett, you want to lead us off? Absolutely. What's going on, guys? I'm back. And uh, that's all I'm going to say. And, and, and you're Brett. And, you're and I'm Brett. Brett. I'm definitely Brett. That's me. Um. <laughs> and uh, I'm Ryan, and I've been waiting for Brett to be back to say this, but I am the mountain. <laughs> um, <laughs> thank you. Thank you. And uh, from High Desert Queen. Um, All right, you go ahead. Oh, ladies first. Ladies first. I'm Randy. <laughs> and I'm Chris. And we're a part of Vox. <laughs> My name's Paul. I'm the cosmic motherfucking peddler. <laughs> Somehow we, we've asked you to turn your mic down so many times that you're the quietest now. <laughs> My mind's kind of blown right down. now. They turn it down so much, man. I guess I'm super quiet now. We'll get it right mind, at some point. I'm confused. I don't know how to react. Yeah. All so quiet. <laughs> Eddie? Uh, I'm Eddie. I'm playing Lords of Opium Church and the Endless. Bucky. Bucky. I'm uh, with the Doom Charts and just a music fan, not in a band. So <laughs> that segues well into Luke. I am a DJ from up north. I am Ryan's college friend from too long ago. <laughs> and um, I tend to like this music genre. Uh, yeah. Sometimes, uh, most days. Ten well, how to about was the, the X Man Cometh? How do we feel about that? <sighs> I really dig it. The Axeman Cometh. That <laughs> is a jam. That is a groove <laughs> on this record. Yes. That's a, I, that, <laughs> caught me. that caught me right away. Yeah. My I was listening to the album and then reading about the band and the album are very contradictory. Yeah. That kind yeah. of got me a bit. And I'm, I was hoping to, to jump on this episode to learn more about the band because I only kind of jumped into the music and I don't know a lot of the history. So I figured I would learn some things tonight. I don't know that I'm any sort of expert. There's not a whole lot of information out there about this band, but I think the backstory is just as interesting as the music. So um, these guys were more of like a jam band at heart, a self-proclaimed jam band. that was like psychedelic rock jam band. And from what I understood, they recorded this music because they wanted to be able to remember the music. And it wasn't, it was never intended as a, a release. It was just intended to like be how they remembered the music and the words and the, all that kind of stuff. And uh, it wasn't intended for any sort of release at all. But um, it was recorded. I, sorry, I was going to say what I read on the uh, Psychedelic Baby, uh, Martin did an interview and he had stated how the album was just a recording to settle a fight, a dispute on how the songs actually were supposed to end because yeah. nobody would actually call it. So they would just play over and over and over and keep going. And that's yeah. what the album actually was. A, it was a, it was an argument settlement in essence. Right. Aren't there like four songs on this record that kind of just fade out? There's like no real ending. Just yeah. It probably yeah. went on for another 15 minutes. And yeah. Like, we got, we got to end this thing. I want to hear the yeah. uncut version of this record. I, I got know, that. I got yeah. the record in the mail yesterday. Oh, really? 
Yeah. So I, and I was, I came upstairs because my internet connection sucked. And so I had the record down there. I was just had time. I just started reading through the liner notes like oh, yeah? 10 minutes before the show started. And I, I'm, I need to get back and read those, but it was telling all kinds of stories about how they got started. Oh, and it shit. was pretty, it was pretty cool. Like they were in another band with the female singer. Yeah, we're that too, yeah. Oh, and wow. like the blue bonnets or blue something like blueberries or some <laughs> female singer and the like manager basically kicked the lead singer out, said he sucked. It was the uh, blue like, diamonds. The blue diamonds, yeah. So yeah. I'm just going off quick memory. And and then mm -hmm. him and the bass player and the drummer said, Well, we're leaving too, because we're with this dude. And then they went and started jamming in clubs and like clearing the rooms out because the the fans hated them. Wow. Like, that's, it's one of those stories, kind of like yeah. you guys. I mean, this album to me was, I love this, undid, like this unearthed shit from the past. Yeah. Totally. Like the, the Brown Acid series on writing exactly. music. And you yeah. see all the stories and liner notes that, that are on all those albums. This is kind of like in that same vein of just gnarly shit that nobody knew about back then yeah absolutely i wonder what their live shows were actually like because from what i understood it was a lot of a like a biker crowd but also i think that i probably read that same interview that you did randy where martin said that the further further they had to travel for shows the more time they had to drink beer so who knows what those those shows actually sounded like maybe this was the, the best they ever sounded was recording this music I, I think so because it's it's not a reflection of the words in his interviews because from what he said they just turned it up cranked it absolutely to max he said there were times where like first chord emptied a room and then oh, when they, then when they would go to the lounge to have a beer after playing the people would be like please don't tell me you're playing here now like that's how bad they were, and they yep. kick over the drums and leave everything feeding back until somebody cut the power. That's yet right. Listen, yeah. Yet listening this to it in our living room, it's something you could have on in the background, or you could have it while having drinks. Like it's so comforting and groovy and and almost sweet in an essence. But the, what they say is completely different. What happened back in those days? I and, would love to see like a live. Uh, like video, like a DVD, like, like a concert DVD of yeah. This 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 band just got ten times cooler in my mind. I know. You know? It's, yeah, it's, it's, this is awesome. The nostalgia grows. You know, I, I was it. talking to somebody in the band yesterday, and I don't know who it was. I, I was trying to go back and and look at my messages, but but uh, I was trying to find out where I can get some some of this vinyl, and they actually responded when I when I messaged them. From Bandcamp, no shit. Wow. I was, They're on I was Bandcamp. actually thinking They're about on Bandcamp, and and I messaged them, and somebody responded. I, I need to look and see who it was, but was they responded. It, was this going to be cool record? because maybe they could answer some of the questions that we have? <laughs> yeah, I was actually going to ask you, Paul, if you knew anyone that had a connection to this band because you were the one that hooked <laughs> us up with um, uh, uh, Tony, Tony Reed. Yeah, yeah, for the Necromandus yeah. episode. So I was like, maybe somehow someone knows. I someone can message him back, man. You know, if we want to do something, yeah. Yeah, maybe. we'll do a follow up with him or something. D dude, that'd be cool to get him on slightly fuzzed, man. <laughs> yeah, that'd be <laughs> fucking badass. Yeah, it would be. Yeah. Hell yeah. Well, I'm amazed because I did not know this record at all. Which is that's probably like ten out of ten out of 
12 records we've done on this uh, <laughs> bus club, but uh, which is shame on me. But I remember as soon as I put it on, I was like, ah, oh, cool. This because I saw there was like uh, Apple Music says it was released in 68. So that's the first thing I saw was like, oh man, that's super cool. And I put it in, hit play, and immediately I'm hearing like this you know, vintage type recording. And I'm all about it. Like, man, this is so cool. And I'm only listening to it as a musician. Cause like, like I'm going in the studio on, on Monday, we're recording to tape like these old school people used to do, right? Like in, embrace the mistakes, embrace what it was like in the studio. And, and I'm just marveling at how cool it is. And then probably the second time through, I'm actually realizing Whoa, whoa, whoa! This is '68. This is ahead of the curve. Yes, it this totally. Is like, there's some f- that guitar is so fuzzed. Led Zeppelin one's not even out. Correct. I started. I started putting things in perspective. Like, okay, '68. Yeah. All right. What did? What was out? What was big? What was good then? And and it started to hit me like, oh shit! This is way ahead of wild. Where it should be exactly ahead of wild. Ahead of. I mean, Hendrix was doing his thing, but it wasn't. Yeah, but like barely. This is, like, this is fuzzy. <laughs> this is way beyond Hendrix as far as from the fuzz. This is slightly fuzz podcast, right? This is yeah. this is fuzzy shit from 1968. Uh, right. I was really, is one of those I started to appreciate more and more as I dove into the history of it. And Maybe like Budgie and Blue Cheer, I think we're out around that time. And then, yeah. Not yet. They played and, and, and I I kind of read a little bit of the the nostalgia of the like biker bar kind of thing. I didn't hear the whole like clear the rooms out and one that that which just makes it cooler to me. Yeah. But, but I but I heard that they were just they would be they didn't they didn't catch on, right? Like that everything was kind of going big this way. They were kind of doing this biker bar thing and and uh were just totally fuzzed out, loud noise rock. But I re- I've read stories about them playing like the same song for an entire set just to piss people off. Like, <laughs> yeah, that is so fucking cool, man. <laughs> it's like, that is rock and roll. I'm sorry, that is rock and roll to a T. Like what everybody aspires to be that cool, but is too scared to do it. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I, I love their like backstory just as much as I love the music. I, I love yeah, that. that that's what got me really, really into this record. But I'm reading about them as I'm on like the third or fourth listen to the record, right? And it all just starts kind of sinking in. Like this is this is pretty cool. Yeah. See, I was I was like the opposite way around. I I had seen this album like floating around the cover. The cover like drawing. Yeah, I've seen the cover. Obviously. I've seen the cover. I've seen it, but I never really dug in. And then I, I, I was gonna say thank you for whoever picked this album to to go over because man, I was blown away, and I was listening to it from a pure musical standpoint the whole time, like over and over. I'm like this is fucking amazing. It's raw. It's like it's raw, but it sounded kind of refined and it's like yeah. production level. And I'm like, this is underground in the 60s we're in the underground of today and we know today the underground stuff we listen to we like to think of this is actually the the best music better than what's popular now back then it was like what black sabbath led zeppelin like 
who were the underground bands back then that were better than Black Sabbath that nobody ever fucking heard. I mean, it's probably a little bit different now because of technology. Back then, there wasn't the means to actually get better with equipment and like you had to have some sort of means to do it. But that's what was going through my head. Like the, the underground scene back then was not much different than what we see now. It's just there's more of us now. Yeah. So, right. There's no outlet. There's there's no outlet for this stuff, right? Like they were underground, and that's you are truly underground. You're not. Yeah, and it, it just not, sounded it sounded as good as I mean. There's Sabbath elements in it, but there's also there's so I, was hearing, I was hearing like '90s stuff, like in some of the songs. Like I, yeah. I got a big uh, like Ty Tabor, like King's X vibe on the guitar tone. Going definitely like, King's like X. Thirty years before King's X, and it's like nobody knew about it. So, yeah. I just and think I, it's but, funny that they were like completely underground back in the day and now they're on Bandcamp. Like, how funny is that? <laughs> yeah. Right? Right? Welcome to 2023. Or is it, is it them or is it somebody that picked them up like and just destroyed Yeah, them? somebody that pressed oh, it. Yeah. Well, that Gerson, Gerson Records is the label that I bought it from, which I was just looking at today. If you go to their website, it's got some killer like old school shit, like a bunch of underground garage psych, like heavy, heavy blues and all kinds of different genres. I'm going to have to dig in. You yeah. probably appreciate it, Paul. Go check out their store. The Gerson.com. Yeah, yeah that's, um, it's, it's Gerson on Bandcamp too. Yeah. That's, so probably that's, 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 pro- that's probably who it was, man. I, I, I was like blown away, but see, See, I never listened to this either. I'd seen the image before, um, but when I started listening to it and I started looking into it, see, I was thinking initially it had come from the nineties because when I looked at the, the when I looked on Discogs and I saw the records, it, it didn't look like to me the records didn't even come out to the nineties. I automatically assumed it had come out in in the nineties, and I was like, "What the fuck? This stuff came out. This came out during grunge rock." I was like, "What the fuck? This is bad as fuck." Um, but it's even better now. I know it came out in the fucking late sixties. God damn. Yeah. And I'll be yep. referencing that uh, uh, psychedelic baby interview where he said, like, they tried to get a contract with A and R, but apparently there was a bit of a scuffle that happened and words that might have gone down. Who knows the story? And then it was just a chance in 92 when kissing spell picked them up. So that's pretty impressive that it, it stood the test of time all the way into the nineties. And then these tapes were given for production. And that's yeah. actually, it's like, standing the test of time. Like, really like, hold on. Yeah. It's, it's listenable right now. Like it, it, I wonder what kind of reception it had in, in 92 or 94 or whatever, because now like this underground appreciates this kind of stuff so much more, the brown acid stuff, the, the doom stuff, stoner stuff, whatever. It seems like so alive. I wonder what if, if anyone even gave a shit in '92. Probably. That's what really threw, that's what really threw me off because it's like that. That was the grunge rock era, and this is so not grunge. I, it just really threw me off. I was like, "What the fuck, man?" So yeah, I I, I think even then, and, and that's why probably a lot of us don't don't know about it is because it even went unheard of even then, and then just now kind of coming out after what fucking. 
68, 79, what is that, 50 yeah. years? Count your fingers and toes. I know. I'm like, fuck. <laughs> Sorry, I'm a little stoned. 21. <laughs> I expected. Um, but no, like, I don't know. They're, they're only the true diehards probably in the 90s were like, this is this is the shit. But, you know, like, the true Caius heads or whatever you want to call them, like, that was – it's the only ones I, meant, I might jump on the bandwagon at that time, but I mean, I, I had never heard of it until two weeks ago or whatever week ago when somebody suggested this record. I, Blake. Yeah, Blake suggested it. I didn't listen to it until it was selected, and then it was selected, and I, I got into it like three days ago. And so I, go, oh, I was listening to uh, Hayes Maze, like, yeah, we were yeah. digging into them at that point, and then I got on their like 2018 self title album. And everything started like you could tell it was like an analog recording, yeah. um, heavy bass line to start almost everything, and then the guitars would start. And then, so I popped this on, and I'm like, oh, same shit, right? Right, and then yeah. I dug it, into it, it a little genre. bit. And the I saw, bass, I saw the bass on this bass. album is incredible, well, yeah. the bass yeah. keeps the whole thing going, which Derek, probably gets a bit Sabathian, Sabathian, <laughs> oh, Sabathian. Sabathian. If someone said that this album came out in 2022 or something, like I would believe it without. Really I, I thought it so. So yeah, right. Like, I about, didn't know until I looked at like the album thing on Spotify, and I was like, "Fuck, yeah. 68? Are you kidding me?" Yeah. I, I thought yeah, this. I thought this came out like 10 years ago, like because uh -huh. this album was floating through some of the Doom community, like for a while. Like that yeah. that album cover was floating around out there, and I thought That's, it was like yeah. Doom. I thought it was like I Doom album that. from like 2017. Yeah, and then I, I looked it up. I was like, "Oh fuck, this is like a buried treasure," and <laughs> I, I pushed play and I bought both the records on that Bandcamp link. That is there. I, I got it. the other one's coming. Then the other that's, one showed up yesterday, and I'm like, "I'm in yeah, love." And I, that's what I, I was going to ask. I ordered one too. Did anybody listen to any of their other? albums i, I, I guess not. bucky did yeah no the other ones it's i think this one's better the other one it's 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 the same type of stuff but oh, okay uh, it, it is so if you're on Bandcamp, did you you guys know paul papa paul wrote you guys know that name the guy on Bandcamp. he's a he's an old hippie from like the 60s he was in the underground back then this is like he had this he knew this band back then Wow. He knew he had like the. He's a crazy story. He's this old redneck guy from Pennsylvania that has, used to have an entire like vinyl collection of all these underground, acid rock like garage like the heavy acid stuff, and he was doing all that acid. I mean, he was in that scene. <laughs> so he has really good he taste. All that acid. He knows he knows, <laughs> he knows good music. So he's on, he's on. He's on. Imagine. Home. This is like his favorite album of all time. Wow. Can you imagine That's how hard awesome. that would have been back then? Because there was no computer. There was no cell phones. You had to live there, in. Was, there was barely a fucking TV. You had to tune that shit in. Well, you had to, live, had to live in the city. Where, where like Bucky happening. says, you had to live in the city where these bands came through or maybe just word of mouth from yeah. these Damn. bands, right? Yeah. That's, and that's crazy. He, he dude. That's impressive. <laughs> Yeah. What's that? The guy from Bandcamp, can you give us his name? Paul wrote. R O 
He, so if you go to the Bandcamp, the, he's the second review on their record. Go Paul wrote. Paul wrote what? R O T E. He's a born again. He's a born again Christian. He went like completely Christian. He, he sold <laughs> oh. off his vinyl collection, like in and basically. And that's sacrilegious. That's sacrilegious. Yeah. <laughs> so he, but he's still he's a he's on he's a Doom Charts contributor. He's on he's on the Facebook group. Like I've I'm known him for years. Oh, he, okay. he, All right, he, so we should have gotten him on here. Why didn't Why didn't you hook us up with this guy? Come on, yeah, he's probably out. He's he's probably in his his deer stand, like shooting shooting the white tail. Yeah. Yeah, it's not deer season anywhere right now. No, I think it. I think in Texas it's always deer season. Uh, yeah, but, right. but he's in like upstate Pennsylvania. Yeah, he's in Pennsylvania. Mm. They can't even hunt on Sunday. We could have done this episode on Sunday. It would have been fine. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Holy day. Well, I was hoping to learn because I mean I could have Googled it, but I'm lazy. Where is this band even from? UK. Somewhere in England. Yeah. UK. UK. Shocker. I saw it in a, somewhere. It's like a North Hampshire. Shed, something, something. Northampton. Does it say how old they were when they recorded this? Like uh, 19 or 20? 20, 20 they, they had been in some other bands, though. Like, there was another band called, like, Dark or something. Yeah. That's, that's where I hit the guy ended up. After this band. I thought that was after. I thought I read that. Yeah, too. it's sure. after. And they even he even stated in the interview that most pictures that you see online that might be attributed to the Wicked Lady, those aren't them. That's Dark. Mm. But oh, wow. there's not a lot of actual... Ev evidence or even footage yeah. of these guys that oh, yeah, nobody was in the room makes it that cooler and much cooler right there. Yeah. He, he always has the same guitar that um, Leo from uh, oh, Rick Shaw Billy's always got that was a 12 stringer. He's got an eight stringer, same thing. It's just like, what the fuck is that thing? Wow. How do you play that? Thank you. It sounds good, yeah. And well, and let's be honest, I was impressed. With and I'm I'm, a, I'm just a bullshit singer, but the guitar work on this record was super cool because of how fuzzy and like I, I don't when I say imperfect I mean that in the best way possible. Like you could tell this was recorded live, yeah. like to tape, like they did back in the day, and it was like, no, that's the best take we got. We're rolling with it, and it was it was amazing. And, I, and I'm curious to ask guys like Brett and Eddie, like. It had to be like the old 60, late 60s fuzz face puddle, pedal he was probably using nonstop. Yeah, probably because uh, just how shrill it is. And it's probably like on greenbacks or like a 10 inch speaker. Yeah, like super just sucked all the tone, right? Into one. Yeah. Like you can hear every string and that is, is super fuzzy. Like the fuzz face. Stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Left open sometimes just to make it more abrasive and more in your Cause face. Because there's some gnarly shit. Like when that, like, yeah. When the Axeman cometh played the first time I heard it, I go like that was I was listening to it and I'm like, and I'm all about that drum comes in with the groove, right? And I was like, oh yeah, this is pretty cool. we're talking about the, the title track, <laughs> the Axeman cometh title track, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's what track three or four on the yeah, record, yeah. I think it was. It's right? all instrumental, it, right? Well, for a while, man, when that drums come in, I, yeah, I, that I caught my attention. What that, I was gonna make mention of that, but that's Bonham shit before Bonham. You know, that's like that's like some this big drum track coming in. And then and the bass work, as y'all mentioned earlier, is is pretty freaking awesome. Yeah, it holds then, the whole thing. The bass yeah, here then, is out. Oh, and then this just like 
nasty, out of place guitar. Fucking also, wild guitar. Yeah. Yeah. For sixty eight. And like Eddie, I think Eddie's right. There's probably like some open wah through a fuzz face, just like gnarly shit, which happens all the time now. But this is 1968, whatever, right? Like this is not a thing. And it's it's pretty cool to hear that. And it's a shame they never like nobody, they never grabbed onto the mainstream because it's interesting as a as a musician now, like what had that gone mainstream? Jimi Hendrix went mainstream, right? And he did kind of the same thing, but in a totally different yeah. way. Like, what kind of music that spawned because of that? Like, imagine if this record goes mainstream in that era. Like, what music spawns from well, that? Well, I was telling Ryan before we got on, like, before, like, you guys all joined in. When I was listening to this record, I was like, holy shit, man, this sounds like television and the kinks and, like, a little bit of, uh, a little bit of Velvet Underground, like, all made one stoner album. Yeah, I was like, it's fucking sweet, dude. Yeah, they all got super high, plugged yeah. in, and went. You know, but like the way the rhythm section is, it's kind of like you, like the whole fucking Marky Moon record. It was was I heard a little Steppenwolf-esque in there. Yeah, it was quite nice. Yeah, there's there's a lot of that. I mean, I think like you can just kind of draw from that whole like the '70s decade of like that. Think of a badass rhythm section. This band had that, and then they had this like crazy dancing, fuzzy guitar around it, which was not really happening. I feel like in the time, and I mean, I could be wrong, but it. it I, I'm I'm from this era, listening to that era, right? But I'm I'm amazed like at, at how cool this record was when I was not expecting at all that this shit like that. Yeah, but imagine your sister's listening to the birds, and you're like, "Well, check out my buddy's band." Click. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I wonder how many other bands heard this though. Like maybe they were more influenced by it than like the fans. Obviously, the fans didn't hear much of it because it didn't really make it out of anywhere. Yeah. But I wonder how many bands like were around, heard them play, play, saw them play, or whatever. I wonder if anyone like heard this. There are those well, bands that bands that give a lot of credit to. And I never it's hear this like one Necro brought up. Man, you know, I never hear anyone bring this up as a band. Mm-mm, never. Heard it. Somebody, I mean, somebody did to get it out, reissue it, and, and yeah. know that it recognized how good it was. But I think, but, from what I'm hearing at the time, I think these guys were just a bunch of dickheads that didn't get along <laughs> with anybody, and they wrecked their entire possibility for a career. It was all personality. I guarantee it. Yeah. And it seemed quite intentional on their part to push the the line to getting banned or getting kicked out of a pub. And they said the larger the venue, it was almost like the worse they would be. They would never end up getting paid. Their biker following would be the ones to work the doors or start riots. So they were just embracing their community. But at the same time, they were pushing everything away. They, they didn't want to be good. Right. It's like to me, they're like the Melvins of the late sixties, early seventies, right? Like the whole like fuck everything. We're doing what we're doing, and what we're doing is intentionally to piss everybody off. (laughs) This is the biopic that I want to see. Instead of seeing like Motley Cruz biopic, I want to I want to see this one made. You know what I mean? Yeah, Yeah. probably be pretty cool. Oh man, you know who would know about that stuff too? 
is Tony motherfucking Reed, man. He's a man. <laughs> I really I should have asked you. Dude. No, no really he does. That man's I, got history. That man's yeah. got history, man. He was the one that turned me on to a Necromandus, which was a badass, one of the first um, Black Sabbath-sponsored bands. Necromandus. Right. He was the uh, – Tony Reed turned me on to them. Now, I, I'll have to ask him and see if he knows anybody or knows any history about this. We're going to yeah, have to have I, a follow-up episode. Apparently. I get, we're, we might have to. I really thought about <laughs> asking you and seeing if maybe Tony knew anybody. Yeah, or knew anybody yeah, or whatever. yeah let me um, hit up Tony and just see. That's, that's a good point, man. Well, yeah. I'm really, I really like these episodes. This is what probably the second uh, Fuzz Club we've done of a band way back. The mm-hmm. first being Necromantis, or at least the one I've been a part of. And that Necromantis one opened my mind to so much. And this, this album, too, is opening my mind to so much history yeah. that I – probably took for granted i took it for granted because i didn't know about it yeah and uh this is pretty impressive like what this band did and and the idea that they're just these fucking english assholes that just are like trying not to get big and yet there's a following now that is what I think every band should aspire to be, you know, like that, that is super, super rad that they are able to kind of do that. Like the Melvins to me are the, the, the epitome of the band where they were like, they got signed to a major record label. Right. And they released 60 minutes of guitar feedback to say, fuck you, Capitol records, whoever it was that signed them. Right. Like that is the, they have the biggest balls in the industry. Well, sounds like this band had the biggest balls back in you know what? Let's be honest, though. In the UK, there's probably a dime a dozen of these bands that didn't give a shit, but but they were doing something super revolutionary that nobody was kind of doing. This I, fuzzy guitar sound. I have to say though, um, you know, I almost even feel a, a a little bit about the bands. You know, today there's such phenomenal bands. You know, you know, today that that blow my fucking mind. They're so good, and no one knows who the hell they are. And it's 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 part of this genre that we're in, and 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 I don't understand it. Um, but but when I run my my record store, man, I see people come in, and a lot of people are very close minded to uh, listening and 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 um, experiencing new music. Yeah, I think whether people mean to or not, we are all judgmental by nature and we just kind of have this idea of like well i'm only gonna listen to this or this and if i've never if i've not heard of it not everyone's like us in this group where we haven't heard of it i'm excited to listen to it for, yeah for we're, most we're, we're in the we're in the five percentile range and as far as music aficionados and artists and most people but they just don't, they don't, they don't more open-minded there's no accounting for good taste called by a, a big figure of what to do. Yeah. This team is way more open-minded to stuff, though, than any other, I think. Because, I mean, like, Bucky, you see the stuff that comes through the Doom charts. There's, like, there's there's spacey stuff. There's psychedelic stuff. There's Doom <laughs> stuff. And there, there's even, like, electronic shit. There's some rap that comes through somehow. Mm-hmm. Like, there's yeah, plenty of stuff. And I see that stuff chart sometimes. Bad. People people love it. Acoustic yeah. shit, whatever it is, it doesn't matter. Like, Dude, like... Um, would like uh, Sturgill's Sound of Fury would that have charted on Doom Charts? <laughs> I don't know, maybe it doesn't really fit, like, but it's way different well, than everything else. Yeah, what was that? What'd you say? Uh, so 
<laughs> Long story. Sturgill? Sturgill Simpson. Yeah, okay, Sturgill Simpson. Yeah, I love Sturgill Simpson. He did a he did a album called Sound. I think I voted. And then there was like like anime anime movie, and um, which I don't think is shit. But um, the music was really good. But I just wonder, like, would that pop up in something, or is that something that only a few of us would? Because I I would think like his normal fans would be like, this is not what I'm here for. But like anybody that's open, like has a pretty like vast, yeah, yeah. Well, it's way more of a like a rock up. record than his old older oh, stuff for sure. For sure. Oh, so okay, you're talking about the you're talking about his album that he released a couple of years ago, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, no, the, the the normal fan base did not really accept that, but the you no, know, no. like I loved it. But yeah. like guys like us, we were open minded, like I said. It, it was think, like kind of tech, like eighties electronic type sound. Do you think it wasn't accepted because of the sound, or because it had Sturgill Simpson written on? No, it? I, I, I guess I'd say it wasn't accepted by the fans that like Sturgill for his country. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, so what, that's what I'm saying. saying. But like, what I it did, it. what it did, is it pulled in fans that don't like his country that are into the, like the Stranger which Things is, type which set, is like brilliant. the resurgence of the eighties. Like, like so, it didn't hit the normal fan movie. base, but it was good in like a musical sense. Like, it was art. It's it kind was of art. fell in the middle. But yeah. here's the truth: it's it, it wasn't bad enough to lose the fan base that he had. You know, like it wasn't like so bad that <laughs> right, like, right, right. I will yeah. never how listen to him get, again. How the hell we get off on the Sturgill fucking Simpson? I don't fucking know. That, <laughs> well, well, he 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 stood outside like it's the, the Grammy club. Awards and, and gave him a big fuck you. Like, did you guys remember seeing that? He he had. Oh yeah, balls. I did. Yeah, no, yeah, I would just say, like, talking about all this weird shit that hits on the doom charts, and I'm just like, well, that was actually pretty good. Like, would it not have hit? I don't, I don't even know about the doom charts until about the a fucking first, year ago. The first year I went to Psycho Las Vegas, I think it was 2015 or 2016, I was wearing – one of the days I wore a Who the Fuck is Sergio Simpson shirt to the, to the Psycho Las Vegas, yeah. and I got so much feedback from people like Psycho. <laughs> Yeah, it's really pretty cool. I'm telling you, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of people in this genre, myself included, and my whole entire band included, and a lot of people that I know that fucking respect what he does. So it's pretty, it's pretty cool. Well, I feel can, like there's a lot the of guy can rip on the guitar. The guy's yeah. a guitar fucking hero. That's the thing. I didn't listen to him until my guitar player told him I needed to listen to him. Yeah. And I was like, all right, well, I will do that. And I started respecting what he does. It's it's good stuff, man. It's it's a crossover genres, which also Ryan, make sure that you tag him on this episode, and uh, we'll see where this goes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I would love to do an episode with He's got a pretty big market, my friend. I'm yeah. I the, the difference, it. the difference between him and some of the stuff that comes in Doom charts, though, is that like he is already positioned as like a country artist that's trying to maybe cross over. Whereas a lot of the stuff that comes through the Doom charts, and, and not just them specifically, but just that people talk about in this scene, and I see them post about or put on playlists or whatever, is those people aren't like positioned in like specific country or specific electronic or whatever. Yeah, yeah. They're just going like, you might like this. There's a darkness to it. There's a fuzziness to it. There's sure. a whatever. To it. And then the fans in this scene are very open to that other outside stuff coming in. Whereas like the country fans of Sturgill are not open to Close him changing mind. his type of music. 
Yeah. But I will, I will say this. That's where I started was like kind of like outlawish country. Yeah. And then I just kind of morphed and morphed. And, and obviously, you know, like I, you and I had talked about Red Fang like a long time ago. Didn't even realize this kind of fell in this genre, but mm-hmm. it's kind of morphed. I don't know. It's something that like, it's like, oh, I like this song. I like this song. And just kind of like next thing oh, I know, man. that's the only thing I'm listening to is like the, the, the playlist that we started originally that morphed into slightly fuzz that turned into like now I throw that on. And I'm like, what's this shit until somebody throws an, an album out on the, you know, the fuzz club thing. And then I'm like, oh, my God, this is awesome. So, yeah. Well, like we, were, we we talked about like a like an album like the Odalith and stuff, which is just so bonkers of an album. It's crazy, but somehow it fits in here. And then we talk about like Slowmosa, which it, could, it couldn't almost be further away from the Odalith. Yet this scene talks about them both in very high regard. You know, they're very different from each other, but very accepting. Yeah, it's like, uh, like old old school country. There's this kid from Ontario. His name's Daniel Romano. And he oh, was yeah. like. A, like William Senior thing, like he wears the nudie suits and stuff. He's pretty fucking good. No, dude, he's like the he's like the uh, um fucking glitter. What the, I'm just I'm spacing out on the name, but he's prolific, dude. He puts out like five yeah. albums a year. Oh yeah, I have, like, I have several of his records. Oh, I'm cool, a big cool. fan. And yeah. he's all over the map. He does like an old Dylan kind of thing at times, yeah. like mm-hmm. a psychedelic rock thing at times. But that that first album he did. Uh, come cry with me. It's, it's, it, you'd think it was right from like the 40s or 50s. What's Daniel, his name again? Daniel Romano. Yeah, Daniel, Daniel Romano. Romano. Yeah. yeah. How yeah. much of this no, should we cut good. out at the end of the day? <laughs> all of it, probably. Yeah. All like of it. You Absolutely were, all of it. Except for the first saying, 10 dude. minutes. This is another episode of Fuzz Club where we talk about 38 different bands that <laughs> veer on the only reason yeah, 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 yeah. I suggested this. And I made everybody say, swing their votes to this, and I had to. But that's why people listen to, to the Fuzz Club. When I listen to the Axeman Cometh, for me, it's like it yeah, always yeah. puts me right into like a movie, like from the '60s, with that saturated, you know, film and like almost like a Easy Rider, you know, one of those old biker movies. Yeah. And yeah. it's like the soundtrack to that. And I can just like close my eyes and be there immediately with this stuff. You know, it's like Easy Rider would be the perfect movie for this yeah. album. Everyone, apparently. Like, yeah. Tripping on acid and yeah. like, you know, doing sketchy Bunch shit. Bikers. Or Bunch of bikers. Yeah. I felt like at, at times, especially on the title track, The Axeman Cometh. And then it's like even throughout the whole album, it was like an extended set of um, Stranglehold. Like mm. the Stranglehold song, Ted Nugent. Like that yeah, whole, yeah, like yeah. The whole album was like just an extended Stranglehold made into an entire album. Like ebbs and flows, like completely just transcendent. Like com- like puts you in a in a in a head trance. Like yeah, yeah. I know why Blake liked the album. It was all the songs are like fourteen minutes long. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> on their follow-up album, uh, "Psychotic Overkill," I think there's like a twenty-something minute song on that one. Wow! The, 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 the closing track is twenty-two minutes on the net. Yeah, and you and I both know a guy that would have played that song every hour to take a twenty-minute smoke break when he was on the radio. <laughs> you, need, you need those songs sometimes when you're a radio DJ. <laughs> There's a band we play with up here called Tumble. They, they don't have their album out yet, but they have that real kind of like proto 
punk kind of meets I don't know trashy garagey rock stuff. But they put you in a time machine. It's, you go back. It's like late, late sixties, early seventies, and they even wear bell bottoms and everything. And they fucking they rip. I'm, I'm really excited to hear their album when it comes out. What are they named? Tumble. Tumble. I'll put that on the list, man. And Tumble. I'll say it so that none of you guys have to feel awkward saying it, but the album cover, those are some nice ladies going on on the lady. It's okay. Let's, let's talk about the album cover a little bit. <laughs> I would like to see it. Oh, there it is. Oh. She's pretty sweet. Sorry, I just got to put that out there. Like, yeah. well done, lady. Well, there it is too. Yeah. I've so when I when I the backside the backside. Oh, we didn't catch the backside. Oh. Nice. <laughs> that's on the that's on the record. Backside, no pun massive. intended. Wow. Yeah. I love it. She's wicked. She is. I love it. But like I didn't even like I had not heard this record, and then a couple days ago when I was like, all right, I'm gonna listen to this record to get ready for this episode. I had seen this cover. I think a million people have used this cover for posters or just maybe talking about it that I just wasn't paying attention to. And I just assumed it was because, you know, there's a good looking lady on the front. But this is the actual album cover of this album that I've not heard of, but seen many times. Mm -hmm. It saw some awkward moments in my office. I'll say that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like, hang on, let me pause. But that cover's still up on Spotify. So <laughs> never mind. Those I had that up, lady I had boobs. playing in the office today, and I, the same thoughts were going through my mind. Like, I had to minimize my screen when I went to the bathroom. Like, <laughs> just in case. I'm not that smart. He I just had let to go ride. to the bathroom. It's do, okay. Do we know who that oh, is? Is an actress or something? Yeah, so I, I was going to share a couple of uh, fun facts about this cover. As far as I could dig up, this woman is named Matahari. Okay. And she was a Dutch exotic dancer, and then she was convicted of being a spy and executed in World War One. Holy oh, shit! Are you kidding me? Yeah, the plot thickens, man. Good for her. Those yeah. are some nice tips for 1915, huh? Right? They're so perky. They're beautiful. Well, I thought the picture was like 1920s-ish, you know, but yeah. but man, that's crazy. That's yeah, a, that's, so that's kind of cool story. And yeah. she's on the second album cover as well. Is she not? Maybe the early nineties. the same woman? I couldn't. I couldn't quite tell, but there is a woman on the second album, also. Yeah, yeah like I think it's one. probably her. It might yeah. be someone different. I'm looking at it now. No, I think it's her. Yeah, that's yeah, cool. I just I noticed that the same, what I thought was the same woman on both. Yeah. On both albums. She's wearing a different like different outfit oh, and shield. Uh, out- yeah, we're going to call it. Going to call it an outfit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Get your outfit on. Yeah. Well, what do you call it? The, the the metal suit, the knight suit, or whatever. Oh yeah, but the second yeah. record, she's got like a sword and a shield, dude. That's yeah. <clears throat> psychotic <throat> overkill. All right, that'll be episode. That'll be a couple of episodes later. We'll we'll do a psychotic overkill on Wicked Lady. Well, yeah, if we can get some of these new uh, new guests that we've talked about, we'll get, man, we'll, we'll, we'll get, do a we'll follow-up. Yeah, yeah Ryan, get Tony, get Tony uh, in here, man. Well, she Fuck, can't. She's out. out she's, what I, she was that idea I gave you? Yeah, I don't think we're going to get her on this show. She was definitely executed about 100 years ago. But. <laughs> Oof. Yeah, I don't think she's going to make it. Maybe we could track down who, who was the executioner. <laughs> yeah. There you go. 
Ryan, did you make that alternate cover idea? No, no. I I kind of scrapped the idea. There's too many ways to go with that one. Wicked lady? Question mark. All right. Yeah. Yeah. In in 2023, you can go a lot of ways with that one. (laughs) Although I would like to share the one of of Chris on the uh, the head of the woman. That was pretty good. So, uh, anything else about this? Uh, the mu- we talked about all sorts of stuff. Do we want to say anything more about the music itself? <laughs> Who was everybody's? What was everybody's favorite song? We've mentioned the Axe Math Cometh, but Axe the Man first Cometh. one, the first one too. Yeah, it's, yeah, that's my favorite. Was the first one. I was that's why I was trying to figure out because st- some of the resources don't they're they're not in in the same order. The songs I see. Huh. But, uh, mine was mine was uh, number song four, life and death was the one that kind of made the first impression on me. Wicked it's not lady. a bad one. Yeah. Yeah. Wicked lady is the first one. Wicked lady. Oh no! Um, uh, run the night is run the night is the first one. Oh, see, see, that's what I'm saying. This is this is yeah. yeah. It has this run the, night. Has run the night is number mm-hmm. five. And then uh, war cloud, war cloud was good. Um, yeah, the acoustic beginning of war cloud was really cool. It was like yeah. The, it was almost cheesy, and then it, and then it, yeah, kind of got me. Like, it, yeah, it took up. like a minute, and then all of a sudden it's like, damn, this is good. And that acoustic guitar riff wasn't even like fluid. It was like, I don't know what's going on here. <laughs> and almost, was, that, was that like a twelve string? Like it sounded like a twelve string. And they were probably, I think they plugged it into like a guitar amp because it sounded like really, like, I don't know, exactly. It didn't sound like a mic'd acoustic guitar. I remember going like, is this? To be fair, it's 1968. They didn't know how to mic stuff yet. <laughs> yeah, well, so you plug it into an amp, right? And, yeah. I, and I remember going like, Is they couldn't mic those either, but they tried. And I didn't, and I didn't like the riff until about 12 measures in. I'm like, this is kind of, as my drummer would say, it's got some stank on it, and just kind of like, <laughs> kind of had some like, I, I kind of found myself moving, and it it did because it didn't quite make sense. And then when the when the rhythm section that is amazing on this record comes in. I was sold, and then I bought. I literally bought the record while driving. Don't tell the law. Uh, <laughs> when the Axmeth cometh, the third song came on for me. It was the third song. I bought it, and then I think. But I think my favorite record or favorite song is "Life and Death." That I already bought it, and then I was super excited about buying it when the next song came on. Like it was really, really, really rad. It's hard. To, it's hard to pick, man. They all have like their moments. Um, Life and death. The Axeman cometh. Like the title track. Like the more I listen to that one, that bass tone, the like the whole yeah. flow of that song was killer. And it. I, I was picking up a lot of, uh, a lot of like surf rock vibe. Yeah, I made a note on that. Like the closing track was like. I made a note on my notes that. It's like the Beach Boys on Doom. Yeah, yeah so living on living on the edge. Right? It's got the garage surf. Like, yeah, I like that song "Out of the Dark." I, I had a really catchy chorus. I just couldn't help but sing along to it every time it came on. Yeah. yeah, there was a lot of choruses I liked, and I, I'm a, I'm a fan of a big chorus. And what's mm-hmm. funny about "Living on the Edge," I lyrically I love lyric "Living on the Edge." I love that record. Oh, that I'm sorry, the lyrics of that song. And then, and then to be honest, the chorus is kind of cheesy. It's something about like, what is it? Was something about uh, uh, it's living on the edge. That's what it's like living on the edge, or something like it. It talks about living on the edge twice. I was like, well, that's kind of cheesy. 
but the verse is so there's some really really cool shit in there like there's a really good yeah. songwriting involved but I, I gotta i can't remember the chorus now of that song but this chorus is super cheesy of that song so yet I are you talking it. out out of the dark is that the no one? living on the edge oh okay the, oh yeah the, the closing track yeah because he and i i, I want to look it up now what the lyrics were but it was something like oh there it is i hear it someone's playing it did um did anybody know that that path on the path album it just came out not too long ago that path album they redid run the night and i'm such a fucking stoner i fucking helped put out that album and i didn't even know that it was done by this by these people oh, shit, I, didn't, <laughs> I didn't i didn't remember that i remember hearing that that record i remember the, the path record the path. I, Cause as soon as I heard that first song, I was like, "What the fuck? That's where Pat got that shit from." Yeah, oh my God. <laughs> yeah, they, they they destroyed it though. It was fucking badass when they yeah. did it. But FYI on that shit. <laughs> yeah, well, they obviously either. know knew of this record. Uh, there's somebody that yeah, they did. Yeah, I yeah, I didn't really even know who the hell was. Follow up episode, I guess, uh, with yeah. all of Paul's contacts. <laughs> and and by the way, so. As a singer myself, like I, I pride myself in the lyrics. I love living on the edge, but this chorus is pretty bad when it says, this is this is the chorus. <laughs> Feel like you're out there on a ledge when you're living on the edge. <laughs> you know the fucking Doritos commercial? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, like, like I'm wondering if DMX wrote that chorus. <laughs> I feel like, I feel like Eric or Taco Bell. was better chorus than that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, like the right. verses, there's some like deep, really cool verses on that song. And then the chorus is <laughs> like you're out there on the ledge when you're on the ledge. We talked about that on the Salamosa album last yeah, time remember, yeah. that, that yeah. came online today. I, I listened to it and, and we were, I remember talking about how the lyrics were so great. Like so, like so much better songwriting on that. And what would it be like if they were living out on the ledge? Like, if the lyrics were that, it wouldn't have the same pop. <laughs> yeah. Well, the vocals were about some drunk bikers. To, to, you know. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I guess some drunk bikers could sing along to that shit because ledge rhymes with ledge, and we can. They we probably can they probably out. ate that shit up. They probably love yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> How many great old school bands have simple lyrics like that, and, oh, and we still know them today? <laughs> Well, it's because of those. It's because of those badass songs that were simple. And there's beauty in simplicity. That we're scared to write simple shit. We have to like we can't because we're just making, we're just reliving their shit. So we have to make our own stuff. Yeah. <laughs> that, we that, will. We will. <laughs> yeah, we all, know it. we all know it. We all know it. Yeah, live on the edge. <laughs> yeah, see, that that was the mainstream song while these guys were buried down in the underground club. <laughs> yeah, man. Where all of us, if we were lived alive back then in our age, we'd be at the club where the Wicked Lady was playing. And, yeah, hell yeah, we would, uh, yeah. would be like we wouldn't we wouldn't oh, give a God. shit about them. Yeah, <laughs> and maybe this and maybe this chorus was a total fuck you. Like, hey, we know this is a dumb chorus. We don't give a shit. They were here. You go, here you go, drunk bikers. At the oh. same time, if they're just recording in the basement, though, yeah. it's probably just like it doesn't fucking matter. Yeah, <laughs> twelve beers in, they're like, "Hey guys, I got this. Idea. I got this chorus. <laughs> got this I'm nasty using, hook. <laughs> I'm using this. I'm using this idea. Help me out with this. I got this first line. 
feel like you're out there on a ledge. You guys help me with the second line. I'm not sure. And it was probably like, <laughs> like you're you know, living on the edge. Where's he kinda, living? Yeah, yeah. Kinda, follow. They're like, I don't know about that. Like, print it, dude. All right, we're in. That's probably what's probably what happened. Fuck it, we're know? doing it live. So, <laughs> so the track, the track uh, out of the dark. I, I, it had a really infectious chorus line. But if you actually listen to the lyrics, it's the same. Move out of the dark, move yeah. into the light. Like, yeah. you can't get more yeah. basic than that. Yeah. Yeah. But it, but that was like that song was a garage psych like gold. Like it was, yeah, it was psychedelic and like that garage kraut rock vibe. That is a kraut rock song for sure. Yeah. You know, and I can make fun of it all I want, but I didn't write it. And that's pretty. <laughs> cool. I, I enjoyed it even as like I didn't care that it was cheesy like. Well, I didn't. I didn't know the chorus was cheesy until we read it. You know, like I remember hearing it going, "Did he just rhyme ledge with ledge?" I don't know, whatever you know. But and then I, when I went back, I actually look it up. I'm like, man, that's that's some DMX shit. I Maybe did sorry. notice the, the out of the light one though. I, I did notice that while I was listening to it. I was like, yeah. mm, all right, that light and into the dark. Yeah, into the dark. Uh, yeah, exactly. That makes yeah, sense. Crazy. All right. That was fun. I think everybody enjoyed this one. It was a deep dive. I hope everyone goes and checks it out. So you want to definitely should. Yeah. (laughs) I bought bought both records. So I'm stoked. I I found a distributor and I'm going to get a bunch of them in the store. (laughs) All right. Well, I'm going to buy the second one from you, Paul, because I bought the first one. I bought the first one yesterday while driving. But I'm gonna get a second one. That's my favorite time to buy records with while I'm driving at the stoplight. <laughs> well, I'm because if I, how many I bought at the stoplight? Yeah, because if I don't, I'll I'll either forget. Yeah, you know it's a good record when you're that inspired. Like it hit me. Like I go, God damn. I write I write so many reviews like Bandcamp blurbs while I'm driving at the stoplight. Because <laughs> it's like I'm listening and I'm thinking like the wheels are turning. I'm like I got okay. This is what I'm gonna say. Should I write no. all my songs when I'm in the car? Like it's just how it, <laughs> something about being in the car is like the best. It's the, it's the best for it for sure. I make all my <laughs> drawings while I'm driving too. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Brett, you want to lead us off with some plugs? Tell us what you're up to. Absolutely. My name is Ryan, and I run the Slightly Fuzz podcast. Badass <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, man. I should have uh, didn't done my intro a little bit differently. It should have been like, hi, my name is Brett from Littlefoot, and I just woke up 10 minutes ago. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> but no, uh, I'm Brett from Littlefoot, and signing off to you. Good night. Well, what are you, what are you up to, Brett? When's that, when's that album coming out? <laughs> well, fun it's fact, I've actually been building my studio oh. out in my new house. Right on, right on. And uh, it's completely separate from my house, so I can work middle of the night whenever it doesn't matter. <laughs> so yeah, it'll be really sweet in about two weeks. Beautiful, <laughs> Carney. All right, and uh, so Hide Is Your Queen goes in the studio Monday, uh, finally, and we're recording live to tape, which we're pretty excited about. Which listening to this record made it even made me even more excited. We wanted to go old school and try to like record live. Uh, to embrace those mistakes and whatever, when, when whatever comes out in improv stuff. So we're doing that. Uh, we've 
got some cool shows we've announced uh we've announced desert fest london and like esberg festival in denmark by the time this comes out we'll have announced desert fest berlin uh and then we'll have we're going to announce the whole tour through europe probably the next couple of weeks and then on the and then on the lick of my spoon side uh ripple fest texas the lineup is 95 percent set i've kind of left some 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 slots open for considering what happens with ticket wise but uh, we'll start announcing some bands here in, uh, in a few weeks as well in mid-february so which will be really really it's going to be legit lineup i'm looking forward to it ox uh we got a couple shows coming up in uh oh, and he paused <laughs> the anticipation yeah. was killing me. Yeah. yeah. I can hear a pin drop. I don't think they realized they just paused. <laughs> can you hear us now? Yeah. 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 All right. <laughs> that was good. Drum roll, please. That was good. Uh, so, yeah, we're, with, uh, we're playing with Tumble, The White Swan, and a band called uh, Hell is Other People in London on uh, February 11th. And then we have the second leg of the. Um, Interprovincial Wormhole Tour with Sons of Arrakis and a bunch of other wicked bands in Quebec Ooh. and Ottawa. Oh, Arrakis. Ah. They did it again. Great nice. bands. Really, really, really good shit. And then, <clears throat> oh, pause again. Oh. And then uh, recording coming up soon and a bunch of other great shows coming up this year. So, <laughs> shows coming up in May and um, Book of Worms. But I'm coming up in May. <laughs> All right. Yeah. All right oh, congratulations to the Queen of Doom, by the way. <laughs> oh yeah, right on. We we have royalty in front of us here. Uh, how? How? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I saw. Uh, I, read, I read that. She's getting embarrassed. Okay, fine, fine. There, there. it is. <laughs> so modest. She's so modest. Look at <laughs> bow. bow, 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 bow. Yeah, that's awesome. Stop it. <laughs> well deserved. It is well deserved, by the way. Well deserved. Very cool. Hey, I heard some rumors, Ryan, about the the headliner. Are are, are you able to say anything or not yet? What for uh, Ripple Fest? Yeah. Uh, it depends on when this is going to come out. Oh, okay. Two weeks from today. I heard some rumors. Today is <laughs> the second. Yeah, you. So, I can squash or confirm the rumor. Go ahead. Pat. <laughs> Will you want me to say it? Sure, man. King Buffalo. Gay. King Buffalo. Co confirmed. Boom! Yeah! yeah. All right. <laughs> Next. <laughs> um, the, the Cosmic Peddler will be at uh, Stoner Jam, South by Southwest this year, and Ripple Fest. Um, I'll be set up at, at both. Um, also... I, I just kind of want to put this out there because I feel like this is a very bad ass fucking show and everybody needs to know of, about this fucking fire breather in the well is going on tour. Yeah, that's and a that's a legit. monster, dude. Um, they're coming through San Antonio too. And we, love, uh, and we all know we love fire breather on this. Yeah. Episode. Yeah. So, I, so, so I, that's why I wanted to put it out here, man, because um, I've been talking to them and I'm trying to get them to um, that kind of leads into some of the other stuff that I'm doing. So I got my new store and what I'm trying to do <laughs> is I'm trying to bring bands into the store while they're touring through and setting up 
you know, meet and greets and, and trying to promote them. So that way I can get people to come by and buy records uh, and merch and stuff from them before the shows and stuff. Cause not everybody can even make it to the shows. So at least trying to do some of that stuff. And then plus it kind of gives me an opportunity to get some photo ops, you know, with them and buy some music from them for the store. So I've been trying to do some of that. Um, I got like two record shows coming up. Uh, one in San Antonio, one in Dallas and then um, I got the uh, um, my very first solo album by the Cosmic Peddler, King Bastard, um, is going to come out. And, and we're doing a, a tour release with them. And I'll be traveling with the band. We're going from Dallas to Austin to San Antonio. We're going to do three dates. We're going to release the album on the Cosmic Peddler at the day of the tour. And then um, and, and then um, the band will release theirs on the tour. And then afterwards, they'll go up on the on the band's band camp, whatever is left over after the shows type of thing. So we're going to do, do uh, three dates and um, release the record and then, you know, see how, how, how that process goes. Cool, man. Very cool. Be pretty cool. What's up, Betty? Um, uh, Lores is working on the second album, putting that together. And the MLS is looking to get in the studio for the, the debut album this year sometime. So I'm not sure when it's going to be released and, and I'm still doing my, starting to do my thing on the side and solo work and putting material together for that and get that released eventually in between all that. <laughs> nice. Yeah, man. I want to, I want to keep hearing some of that solo stuff. I, I yeah. hear some, some stuff you're doing. It's pretty cool, man. Awesome. Thanks, man. I'll keep it going for sure. <laughs> Please do. What's up, Bucky? Yeah, so, uh, like to say congrats to to the ox crew for the placing in the doom charts best of the year list top yeah yeah like number five right number yeah, six five or six yeah it's, it's overwhelming i don't i don't that's, know. That's, uh, that's awesome that's amazing man. over yeah. over two thousand albums were voted upon last year so that's and legit mind-blowing and surreal uh, to actually, you know, for it to, I, I don't even know what to say, man. Like, it's, it's, uh, not, uh, it's well deserved. It's awesome. Appreciate yeah. all of you guys. Yeah. yeah. And January charts is coming out tomorrow. So stay tuned. First, first Holy Friday God. of every month, January Doom charts. And it's, man, what a big month January was. Yeah. I was blown away. Like, what a, what a big difference kind of because I felt like December was kind of rough. Like, you know, people don't yeah. want to release an album around December. And then January, everyone was just like, bam, so many yeah. good albums out in January and February and March. It's going to be a good start of the year. Yeah. So we just recorded the December Doom Charts countdown last night with Billy Goat and John Gist of Vegas Rock Revolutions on the Doomed and Stone show. So that'll be coming out in a week or so. We're always like a month late. A couple months late, but yeah. So tomorrow, and then I'm I'm getting back into writing reviews. I, I sent in some material to the Ripple Effect, which I wrote for for years, and did a review just recently. So I'll be I'll be around, be cool. around out on Twitter and listening to music again. So right. Sweet. Well, looks like Luke disappeared just in time to tell us what he's up to, but. Um... <laughs> He didn't want to talk about it. He's got, he's, he's got too much going on. He had to get he's got a couple here. kids. He probably had to go clean yeah. a diaper or something. You never yeah. know. Yeah. I had, you uh, guys probably noticed me, my kids and my dogs were just like, I was, I was all over. I had to mute myself quite a few times. Yeah, <laughs> that happens. 
<laughs> my kid came up here in the middle of a podcast once. He made an appearance. So <laughs> it happens. Um, everyone go check out uh, Axe Man Cometh. And uh, we'll see you on the next one, I guess. Looking forward to it. Later. Later.